What's going on? This is Off the Track with CJ Ecolano. Thanks for tuning in. This is my third episode. On with me today, I have a college teammate of mine, and we are talking about college recruiting and mental health. He is a rare breed, one who actually enjoyed the 400-meter hurdles, someone who truly had your back, a leader, and since graduating from college in 2006, he has been busy. He went to Providence College and worked as a graduate assistant for two years, then moved to Hofstra University and worked as the assistant director of compliance for two and a half years. From there, he moved to Fairfield University and worked as the associate athletic director for eight years and finally for over the last three years he has been the associate director of admissions at fairfield university where he has found a home welcome my friend mr soon to be dr joe clotter welcome to the podcast man how are you i'm good cj thanks for having me man this is awesome yeah man uh just want to thank you to me and uh we're gonna get into this uh recruit talk but um let's kind of take a trip down memory lane maybe we'll bring up a few of our roommates and just kind of talk track and a little bit like that but yeah you were a couple years older than me so you were on the track team before I had gotten there um and just tell me tell me about your time at you know on the Robert Morris track team with coach uh coach Smith oh man um I, I think any college athlete will tell you as they go through and have a good experience that you know, it's, it's, it's the best time of your life. Um, you know, not only are you getting to do what you love to do in competing, you know, you're getting education, but you're making friends and relationships that are going to carry on the distance. So, um, you know, I think this is, it, it's huge. You know, my time at Rob Morris was the best ever, you know, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate that I still get to talk to those guys very frequently, um, you know, especially my, my roommate, Derek, him and I talk pretty frequently, you know, through the years, getting to visit each other, see each other's families grow, things like that. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, my relationship, I mean, getting to Robert Morris was an adventure in itself, but, you know, Coach Smith, uh, I feel like I'll always be indebted to him just because he gave me that opportunity to, to run, to be a part of the team, you know, kind of saw something in me that I didn't really see at that time. And, you know, it it really just honestly gave me a a really great experience to be around just awesome people kind of sharing the same experiences, having some fun and and ultimately just, you know, helping us get to this next level for where we're at now. Yeah. And, you know, it took, it, it kind of sucks that it took a pandemic for us to really get together. But, uh, you know, over the last, several months there's been a bunch of us that have jumped on zoom call uh you know it used to be every wednesday night we would talk until sometimes one two three o'clock in the morning just because we hadn't seen or even talked to one another i mean there's like you know upwards around 12 or even more of us that would jump on at one time um over the last several wednesdays but um you know it's been it's been awesome catching up with you and derek mears you mentioned and some of my roommates and others on our track and field team over the last, you know, nine months or so. So that's, that's been pretty cool to just kind of see kind of where everyone is other than, you know, the, what they put, put on Facebook and stuff like that. But just actually seeing their face and talking to them, you know, 
it's been pretty cool. Absolutely. Like, and I mean, and big ups to Derek for kind of putting it together. He's always kind of, you know, Derek is a special, special man in that I've never had anyone ever say this, anything negative about him. He's just someone who, you know, he's electric and, and people gravitate towards him. So him putting that together to bring everyone in, um, it was awesome. I mean, I, honestly, some of the guys and we, we talked to, we haven't seen since, you know, weddings or, you know, opportunities to see one another. So it was a lot of bad hairlines, but, uh, you know, <laughs> a really good opportunity to talk one, about one another and really cool to see kind of everyone kind of going through the same journey at the same time, kind of fatherhood and, and jobs and careers and homes and everything else. So it's been, uh, it's been awesome. I agree. And uh, so it's kind of funny. I mean, thinking back now, you you had you had a lot of different roommates throughout college. You uh, actually lived on campus the whole time. You you were up in the apartments on campus a uh, year and a half into my college career. I ended up moving off campus with three other roommates. Um, but I think the mainstay with our roommates is for the most part, they were always jumpers and throwers. Uh, Robert Morris was pretty strong in the throws category, and they they loved their jumpers as well. Of course, they had a few runners and hurdlers like us, but um, you know our roommates were always seen you know jumpers and and throwers. And you had another roommate, uh, Chris Heinrich was a jumper. John Henney was a jumper. Um, I had roommates of Jeff Whitmire and Mark Kasky. They were high jumpers and. Uh, and of course, Aaron Gursky, who I've mentioned before, he was a thrower as well. Um, so it's kind of unique that our roommates were all just a little different than we were. Oh, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, that's the perspective. I mean, I think that's why, you know, everyone gets to see it. It's funny. I know you talked about it in your last podcast with Nash, just about the, the food spread that throwers bring out. Um, yeah. And in my senior year, I've always fought coach to want to be a thrower for that reason. You know, I don't know how many successful throwers there are at like six foot, 155 pounds, but um, you know, it was a heck of a lot better than going through the day of a track meet, barely eating and then watching these guys just tear down food. It was insane. Um, but no, like, I mean, having different roles, but watching these guys work and perform at the same level you are. I mean, like it's just that mutual respect that everyone's going through that same grind. I definitely agree. And like uh, our freshman years, I know, I know coach Smith always tried to room you with another roommate that did not run in your same event area. Like mine, mine was a distance runner um, my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, we ended up moving off campus um, me and three other guys um, just, and we, we had the house off campus for, our junior and senior year. And then we had we lived in an apartment our sophomore year, but uh, it was pretty cool. And of course you were in the apartments on campus. The, I think what your last two years or so. Yeah, I was, you know, we were, yep. we were there and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a fun time to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to go out, I'm, I'm making the disclaimer that in the two years that I lived in the apartments, we never had any, we never got into any trouble. So let it be a lesson to all the young folk that you can have a, a really good time and not get in trouble. Exactly. Exactly. Um, needless to say, our times in uh, our times at Robert Morris university, they were, 
they were positive. They were successful uh, relationships that will go until our grave. Um, you know, I definitely cherish everything that I, over my four years at Robert Morris University for, for sure. And I, I can't thank Coach Smith and Coach uh, Nash more um, than I already have in the past. But, you know, I definitely appreciated my time there. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I've always been astounded by like people who are like, ah, yeah, I wish I would have gone here. You're like, well, why? Like, you know, that means you didn't take advantage of what you wanted to do at your school. Like when people don't have pride in their school, I I, I just don't get that. Like when, when coach gave me the chance, I was, I was locked. Robert Morris was my spot. Um, And, you know, anytime I could get back, I I certainly wanted to. So it was was a really good time for that. So you were from New Jersey, went to college in Pennsylvania. Then you went up to Rhode Island and made a stop in New York now you're in Connecticut. So how did you end up there? Yeah, man, I'm crushing New England. Um, really, you know, it, it's that mix. You know, I think it's trying to chase that dream of, you know, your your professional goals. And then as you get a little bit later, trying to also play that, you know, when you're, you have that other person in your life uh, that, you know, you want to make it happen with, trying to navigate that as well. And sometimes careers don't make it easy. So you know, after, after I graduated, you know, I, I thought, you know, we were pretty set up to possibly be the graduate assistant at Robert Morris in compliance under Megan Sweeney, who's always good, but she was fortunate enough that the program or her, her position got full time. So, you know, right out of the jump, I wasn't qualified enough to be in the role. Um, she felt so bad that she kind of worked her tail off to try and find me anything um, in that role. So it, it worked out, you know, the graduate assistant in compliance at Providence was awesome. Uh, Jessica Hegman Grasso now, um, you know, was my first boss and she was just absolutely phenomenal kind of understanding. I wanted to do it, gave me so much responsibility in what I wanted to do. You know, when you're a grad assistant, you have limited responsibilities, but you get to see a little bit of everything and you're working your tail off because you get to see, you know, for me, it was the Big East Athletics. It was kind of awesome. Um, but, you know, when that, that time is done, you have to kind of move on. So the next step for me was, was Hofstra down on the island. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a wonderful learning experience being that full-time professional, um, getting kind of more in tune to what compliance was all about. Um, you know, certainly it was at the time, it was the pathway that if you wanted to be an AD, you could kind of climb that ladder more quickly because positions just moved on around a lot. Um, but at the time I was at Hofstra, you know, my, my now wife was in Boston or in Rhode Island in Boston, finishing law school and going and working. So trying to find a little bit more of that stability and, and kind of dig some roots. So she's actually a Connecticut native. Uh, you know, my in-laws live about 30 minutes away from where we live. So when Fairfield opened, it was kind of the best of both worlds. I was able to kind of go be, you know, the assistant, then associate AD, you know, for a couple of years, kind of have my own experience, have my own office run that way, um, but then still be rooted and, and, you know, when ultimately buying a house and then everything else that comes along with it. But yeah, like you said, Fairfield's, Fairfield's given me a good home, uh, uh, allowed me to grow a whole heck of a lot, you know, personally and professionally. So it's, this is how we got there. So it's kind of half, 
professional half I had to see about a girl. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty cool. And like you said, it's about the relationships that relationships that you build throughout um your your really your working college, just your life, mm-hmm. your career, uh is very important. So did you see yourself um where you are now during your time at RMU? Uh, I, th- I think I did. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, RMU at the time in, in my experiences was just kind of like the places that I've worked in Providence and Fairfield. It's like, you know, the, the athletic departments were a little smaller. You had a lot of GAs, you know, everyone was kind of pitching in. So, you know, I, everyone kind of knew the athletes and I thought that was awesome. You know, one of my, right. one of my fondest memories was, you know, the athletic director when I first got there, you know, Dr. Susan Hoffaker was a really awesome woman. Um, you know, she was around everywhere. She, you know, all the coaches respected her greatly. And, you know, until her passing, you know, she was supportive of just every athlete that came through. Um, so certainly wanted to have that kind of realm. I knew I wanted to be, you know, whether it was coaching or administration, I knew I wanted to kind of be in this realm. Uh, but then people like Megan Sweeney, Sean Simmons, People, you know, even like Mike Vitorino in the athletic training office, um, ultimately the, the most professional guy I know that continue, in my experience, you see that it's what it's all about. A guy like Marty Golosi, um, yeah. you know, how they interact with students and, you know, very suddenly help you grow in all areas is, is where it's at. So, yeah, I think it, it, it certainly laid that foundation for what I wanted to do. You mentioned Sean Simmons, and I actually have him on my piece of paper here just to see if he sparked any interest um, from you during your time at RMU. He was a great guy. And you mentioned Mike Vitorino. Yeah. He's actually my guest on my next episode, so way to bring him up. That was that was key time in that. That's unscripted too, CJ, man. Oh, no. Uh, what are your degrees in? Uh, so <laughs> education is is key. Um and that's a funny, I mean, honestly, like my dad's a big factor in that. So when I was a senior in high school, I actually played basketball, didn't really run all that much track. It wasn't going to pan out from a recruiting standpoint. So I was like, all right, dad, listen, I'm just not going to play. I'm going to just go to college and do my thing. And he was like, uh, nope, no, you're not. He's like, I, I'm not going to pay for you to go to school because I don't think without sport, you don't have the discipline to be successful academically and manage all of this. So um, when you get that bombshell dropped on you. So I attended community college for two years, got my associates and then, you know, transferred into Robert Morris, finished that with a, a bachelor's in corporate communication, had an extra year of eligibility. So I, I, I did a certificate in that um, educational leadership, which I think is now called instructional leadership. When I went to Providence, I was fortunate enough to get my MBA and then about four years ago, it had always been a bucket list item of mine to get my doctorate. So I started that whole process, um, figuring out how I could best do school, manage, manage life with little kids. Um, and ultimately, the online option was there. And surprisingly enough, you know, RMU raised to the top and applied, got accepted. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a dissertation away from from a from a doctorate degree in instructional management and leadership that's that's awesome that's pretty cool and i didn't even know uh i also have my ms in uh instructional leadership yeah. too it is called instructional leadership yeah. now so 
Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is what it is. My dad said, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Exactly. Can't can't complain there. And uh, congrats on your soon-to-be uh, PhD there, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yep. So uh, you're on this podcast today to talk about what college or university look like in uh, for a student athlete. So you have years of experience and you've held high positions. And I have many young listeners that listen to this podcast. So go ahead and let us know what admissions, athletics, colleges are really looking for. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think from the admissions standpoint first, you know, they want to make sure that one, you know, first and foremost, you know, what you do in the classroom matters, um, you know, being able to be successful, you know, challenging yourself each year, getting better. That's, that's the key for anything, you know, it starts with the academics, but those are the same type obstacles and morals that you're going to have to do athletically set goals, continue to work hard and reach them. Um, being a good person, you know, we want to make sure we're bringing good people to our campuses. Um, from the athletic standpoint, it's not that much different. They want to see those characteristics of are you are you willing to work hard? Um, what are you prioritizing? Like, are you taking your academics seriously? How much effort are you growing each year? But then really, it is personality, personality, personality. Um, you know, can you be coached? Uh, are you a good person? Are you in it for the right reasons? Um, you know, a lot of these external factors that go into the recruiting process, people don't realize. And I think it's, it's pretty, it's pretty unique. You know, I say it all the time to just to student athletes. It's as you're going through this recruiting process, coaches will, yeah, they're watching you play, but they're watching you when you get pulled out of the game. They're watching you when you make a mistake, they're watching how you interact with your parents before and after the game. Um, All that stuff matters because if you're, get pulled out of the game because, you know, it's just not your day and your body language stinks. You're not being a good teammate. Uh, you're sulking at the end of the bench. You're throwing stuff. They're not going to recruit you because you're not invested in the team. Um, if you make a mistake or, you know, you're going palms up and blaming the ref or you, or you hustling back or trying to fit right the wrong, um, you know, well, they recruit parents just as much as students. So if your parents are a nightmare in the stands, uh, coaches realize that they're going to have four years with that. So, Sometimes I've seen coaches pass on students because of their parents. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of the personality trait. But I think if you get the head on straight, you know, you are working hard, you're dedicated to what you want to do, you know, being a good person and, and working hard is going to be the best factors. You mentioned external factors, and I can't help but think about social media these days and how much that plays in a factor, or or it doesn't play a factor in a student at, for admissions or even athletics. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a. Uh, it, social media is, you know, it's it's the double edged sword. It's it's phenomenal for being able to, you know, especially in the recruiting world, be able to yeah. give students the ability to be noticed. You know, I mean, obviously it's a kind of like a buyer's market when it comes to athletes, because not everyone, not every coaching staff has that ability to be everywhere. So to use social media for your benefit, is fantastic because you can get noticed or you can spark that conversation. But in the converse, like if you're posting stuff that just doesn't jive with team morals or what you should be doing as a, as a young man or young woman, um, yeah, we're going to take note of that. Um, a lot of, you know, for ourselves at, at Fairfield, we have, when you're accepted, you know, we have an accepted student's Facebook page like many other colleges do. Um, 
we want to make sure that you're, you're doing the right thing. So sometimes when students post things like, yeah, we have to intervene and be like, Hey, like what's, what's going on here? Like you're accepted. It doesn't mean, you know, we can always revoke that. Um, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, you continue to, to be the good person and act because everyone sees everything and everyone posts everything. So it's not really a, uh, I'm pretty sure if we had social media when we were in college as heavy as it is now, <laughs> things would have been a lot more interesting. We would have had a lot of teammates in trouble. That's for that sure. That is sure. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So in your current role, associate director uh, admissions, mm-hmm. um, what is the application process like? Like, I mean, how, you know, obviously a student applies and then from there, what kind of happens behind the scenes? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, every, you're going to put in all the stuff generally you know, that everyone is asking for. You're going to need, you're going to need your transcript. You're going to need, you know, letters of rec. You're going to have to write an essay. Um, And then anything else just kind of works through, you know, some schools ask for test scores, some schools don't. Um, But ultimately when it gets into the hands of an admissions person, you know, at the core, we're going to look at, we're going to make sure we know who we are. You know, we want to see what you're doing with your time, how active you are, are you are you embracing your community with clubs and organizations? Uh, are you in a position where, Hey, I have to work full time to help support my family. Um, and I think the perspective I've brought a little bit to, to my own office is for some of our other colleagues who've never really got into the, the, the deepness of club sports, how much time and effort is exerted in that. So, you know, if someone's playing the, the, the club softball or club volleyball or club soccer ring, like that's a full-time job in itself. Um, so understanding who those young men and women are and then look uh, kind of evaluating that academic standpoint, you know, are they getting better? Really kind of understanding the success that they're going to have on our campus. Um, so that's, that's where that is. Um, you know, we want to make sure, you know, we go and visit high schools, we talk to students, we offer interviews, you know, taking advantage of all that stuff. So when your application comes across my desk, if I've interviewed you face to face, you know, I, I, I've said I spent my entire professional career judging people. Um, so yeah. I, I, get, I have a good sense of it. Like I can tell who's, who's real, who's not, who's in it for the right reasons, good personality traits that stick out. So if I have the opportunity to interview with you, that might give me, if I'm kind of between where I want to be with you, like I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt if I, if I really enjoyed our interaction. Once they're there, um, and, you know, they're, they're admitted and they're going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, does admission stay away from them or do you guys still interact with them? Um, we, we interact with them in some realms. You know, we have a lot of outward facing responsibilities for students. You know, we, our tour guides are our students, our senior workers are our students. And a lot of them, you know, many of the people who give interviews in our office during the week in person, when we can, um, are our seniors and our, on our, our student workers, because, you know, I'm not getting any younger CJ. So to sit across the table from a, a 16, 17, 18 year old student, finding that point to really kind of, uh, understand or kind of be interested in the same thing is, is few and far between. So given that comfort level to, to have students relatively in the same age, knowing what's going on, they can be more themselves. And I think our students are really well trained to, um, 
really articulate, Hey, I really like this person. This is, you know, this is what they're involved in. I could really see them fitting in on campus, et cetera. What about on the flip side? Have you ever had to turn kids away? Um, you know, how often does that happen? Obviously you can only accept so many people onto your campus. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy denying students. Um, you know, I think for me, the mindset I have going into it is like, you know, I I think about coach Smith giving me an opportunity, like from where I'm coming from and everything else, like, uh, you know, the, the possibility and everything for college, you know, was in the forefront, but not that much because of what we had going on. So to be able to give the opportunity to someone is, is phenomenal. But when you got to deny people, uh, you know, you're doing so in the fact that you're trying to best set people up for success in their life. Like you don't want to take a student who's not going to be prepared. They pay a lot of money wherever they go in college only to fail out or to not be successful or struggle or, you know, now you're out of college and you're in debt. So, um, you know, denying people isn't really fun. You get a little pushback sometimes, you know, because I think this day and age, a lot of parents think their, their children are the best thing since sliced bread. Um, right. But really I think what you do is you just kind of tell them, Hey, here is, you know, here's the academic or kind of the overall picture of where our students are right now that we're accepting, um, hoping that they can kind of fill in the blanks and, and be reflective and be like, okay, yeah, my kid's not there. I understand. Okay. Uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Um, you know, so we haven't really had to rescind too much as far as from an admission standpoint. Uh, when I was in athletics, you know, once you're admitted, you know, that whole mentality changes. You know, we've had some students who have not portrayed the right ways on social media, I guess, if you will. And we've rescinded offers of, of scholarship. It's being like, you know, you can still come, but like, you know, you're not going to be on the team. You're not going to be getting a scholarship because, you know, your actions, you know, have reactions and, and have consequences. So, you know, we make sure that we stand morally with what we're doing. Um, so those conversations are a lot harder than, you know, something that's a little bit easier as far as like uh, black and white, like academic or just not a good fit for our school. All right. I wanted to get into that too. Uh, with your time as an associate athletic director, uh, you had about eight years as that in that kind of role. So, you know, many student athletes, once they get the scholarship or they get on the team, they think they're good. Right. And uh, that's not always the case because they can, like you said, rescind a scholarship and they can do something that doesn't portray through what the college sees as is important um and you know they could they could walk themselves right off that team because of their own actions so you know it probably happens more often than you think um and you know no surprise a lot of it has to do with social media um just wrong place wrong time or you know it's not even their fault it's just you know, their, their friends are trying to be funny and post a picture, but you know, it's, it, it it generally coincides with when people aren't being honest. Um, But really once the student's there, we start school. Um, I always said it in a context that, you know, at Fairfield, when they came, when they weren't playing their sport and when they weren't like hanging out, being social, 
99% of their life crossed my desk in some capacity, whether it was their academics, their eligibility, their financial aid, you know, the, their housing, you know, the, the public safety and, and kind of disciplinary type stuff. So the message that you're always trying to tell them from the jump is, okay, you're, you're not CJ Ecolano from Urbana, Maryland. You're a, you're a, a track and field runner for Robert Morris. So if anything ever goes awry, that's what people are going to read or that's the that's going to be the context of an article that goes out there on social media that's going to be a poor reflection on the university, the athletic department, the team, you, your family, et cetera. So you have to make sure that you conduct yourself in a way that you kind of have a target on your back. Um, and sometimes that gives a little unwanted pressure, but I think given with scholarships and you know, being on a, an athletic team is a privilege. It's not a right. So I think part of that responsibility of being part of the team is, is kind of operating the right way. You know, we, we say like doing, doing the right thing isn't always popular. You know, doing the right thing is not always sexy or appealing to everyone, but doing the right thing is always doing the right thing. Uh, and I think those that kind of can really understand that and grasp it are the ones who are successful, who have a really good time in college and enjoy everything it has to offer, but aren't getting in trouble or on top of their academics or doing everything that they need to be just successful. So I think uh, student athletes need to understand that. And, you know, when your coaches are asking you to do something and you don't, yeah, there is that, there is that chance that you could get your scholarship pulled or you could get kicked off the team because, you know, it's what what we probably didn't realize when we were going through college and that I've noticed so much more now throughout my career is, you know, our coaches' livelihoods are based on the actions and responsibilities of 18 to 22-year-old men and women, yeah, yeah, which is, very- yeah. So I've always said, like, coaches are insane. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, they have to have those rules and they have to enforce them because it's just for the benefit of the team. And, you know, at the, at the long end of the list really is to benefit themselves professionally. And I think what people have to understand too is the athletic department, especially those coaches, they only get so many scholarships, right? Correct. Every single year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have to make sure they're making the right decision. And I know in our time at Robert Morris, I know of at least one athlete that, was rescinded of his scholarship and was kicked off the team and essentially even kicked out of off campus, mm-hmm. um, out of the school. Um, and I'm sure there are others, um, th- throughout our times there too. So yeah, it does happen more often than you, than you think it does. And you said that, um, and that's the unfortunate part of it for sure. But I mean, you know, you have the converse of it too. Like you have students who walk on, um, mm-hmm. who work their tails off and you see on YouTube, uh, you know, the, the coaches give them a scholarship and it, it, that's the coolest stuff that we do. Um, you know, I, I just watched Oklahoma State um, basketball. You know, they had a walk on for three years. He's a senior year. He's in a senior year. Uh, he's done everything right. He worked at a local Walmart to continue to help pay for his college education. And the coaching staff went to his job and gave him a full scholarship like with the whole team on zoom, like that's the stuff that's like, it's amazing. Um, But it's, you know, it, it, it should serve as 
it might not be today, but it shouldn't discourage you. It's, you know, day in, day out, operating as if you're on a full scholarship and appreciative of it. That's how you should operate if you're not a scholarship athlete. Because when that day comes, you're, you know, you gear up. Like I've seen students who go from nothing to full and their level of productivity is just amazing. Like they have that, that PR year or they make that key play in a key game. Or even if it's just someone who doesn't see the day of the light of the field, they're on that scholarship because they embody everything that we're trying to do and have every student athlete resemble. And let's uh, let's make sure we state that you don't know if your student athlete or you don't know if your teammate, I should say, as an athlete here, um, is on a scholarship or if they're a walk on. Um, so that's 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 pretty sweet to see that. Yeah, man, I I have countless. Like, I mean, the one that comes to mind for me during my time right now, just like at Fairfield, which is one of the coolest stories you can talk about, is. Uh, his name's Matt Turner. He came on as a soccer, like backup goalie. He worked his tail off. You know, he was a, he was darn near 4-0 student, really great kid, active in sack, just, you know, did everything right. And in his senior year, he got an opportunity to, you know, get that look. And, you know, in his junior year, he played a whole ton because of an injury for our other goalie. And he set the moon on fire. Senior year, he got a scholarship. He was one of the best goalies in the country. Um, he got signed to the New England Revolution in the, in the Major League Soccer. So, oh, wow. so he's been in the pros for a couple of years. He just got named goal, Goalkeeper of the Year. He just got named – he got brought up to the U.S. Men's National Team Training Camp. Like huh. that – like so it, it's – that little bit can just send someone into that next level. Um and but he's the most grounded person alive. Like I mean, the day he got drafted, the day he got called up, the day he won the award, it was never about him. It was like I want to thank all of my coaches. I want to thank Coach Javi. I want to like all the people who got me here. Like that's that that to me, that's where it's at. Oh, those are the stories we live for, oh, right? For sure. Like I mean, you know, because everyone and, and it's taken me a long time to realize it, but like. You know, we're, we see stuff in people and in young athletes that they're not quite sure they see themselves yet. And you're just waiting for that light bulb moment. And when that light bulb comes on, just boom. And I think, it, you know, it's the best part. Let's uh, switch gears yep. a little bit to uh, mental health. And I wanted to bring this up because I know it's a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, the topic, obviously, of mental health has always been important, but I feel that it has skyrocketed in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, you know, not even, I mean, as much so in the pandemic uh, as it has. And, you know, I've seen it firsthand just on campus level in the past five years. And I'm sure the your guest who talks about mental health will explain like the numbers and percentages of students who can identify having some sort of mental health issue is up probably hundreds of percentages. Um so those that kind of diagnosed with the, that anxiety or depression or whatever it may be, it, it, it's real. And, you know, the pandemic and kind of going into what the uncertainty had, like that can creep up on people's anxieties. People can feel terribly isolated because they're in the confines of just their home or just their room or whatever it may be. So trying to 
find different ways to, to help students, professionals and colleagues through these times is it, is it increasingly important because you're trying to find that little bit of normality in their life um, that they can find that peace and that they can perform at their level. So um, I love the fact now that so many professional athletes, so many professional teams are, you know, embracing and, and sharing their stories of mental health because, you know, it was kind of one of those things that you, you just don't talk about. Like, you know, you, you have to get over or you have to keep going through like, Oh, it's just in your head. No, it's not. Um, so you have to make sure that you have that, you know, outlet release resource that you need to, to stay on, on top of it. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's the mental health aspect. I mean, that's, I think the mindset itself, whether you're talking on anxiety or depression or, or you're just talking about competitiveness drive, that whole mindset, that's 90% of the game, man. Like it, you could be the most talented athlete, but like your actual athletic performance is a small percentage. It's, you know, where's your mind where, when you're down, where's your mind where you stumble out of a block or you fumble a handoff and you got to, you know, now you're, you know, five meters behind someone. Are you just going to accept it? Or are you going to like, no, ain't nobody beating me. Like, and then, right. and you're going to work your tail off. Like, would you rather not walk for a week and win that race or just be like, Hey, you know what? Like it, it wasn't my day. I tried. Um, so it's, I, I think I'm a, I'm a different bird when it comes to competition. Uh, CJ, you've always been someone in my head that like, I, it, similarly that like when doesn't matter if you're, if you're running or you're playing checkers, when you're going to do something, you're going to do it to win. Um, and I think like, you know, there is no, no if, ands, or buts if people are going to give their all when they're going to do something. No, if you're listening to this and you're with mental health, you're run down and you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to, you do. Just, just reach out to a friend or a family member and just, just talk to them. You're not alone in this, this fight. We're all, we're all here. And uh, mental health is a worldwide issue. And you mentioned some of the pro athletes athletes bring them up and that's uh Dak Prescott Hayden Hurst uh two uh football players and there's many many others but just to those two for example Dak Prescott's lost a brother um Hayden Hurst almost took his own life mm -hmm. uh he played Atlanta Falcons as a tight end and he he's he came out recently and started talking about that as well so you know just just reach out and talk to somebody if we're we're here for, for you. sure and that and that's the thing take advantage of coaches take advantage of and i understand there's some there's some negative stigma like you know athletes you may not want to talk to your coach because they'll think you're weak or you're you're not there you're not committed um they're there for so much more of a, a mental support but you know if you want that all time or anonymity if you will like there's so many free resources that are available that you can google anything that you right. know you can call and, and talk to professionals they don't know who you are. They don't know where, where you're calling from. They don't know any of that stuff. They're just there because they actually care and want to make sure that they can assist anyone who needs it. Yep. So as we close up this episode on off the track with CJ Colano, I wanted to get into your last 11 years. So since you've been there at Phil Fairley University, you have a lot of experience in the athletic department and admissions department, and it is evident you have seen a lot. So can you give advice to any young women or young men looking to continue their education 
uh, or athletic careers at the next level? Oh, absolutely. Um, be prepared um, is is one of the biggest things that I talk about. Like from what I've seen in my experience with coaches, the amount of preparation that they put in for games, for practices, just to how they're going to run their season um, is amazing. And, you know, sometimes where we fall short is when students don't buy into that, aren't as prepared as they need to be. And it works on when you're trying to get to college, you know, be prepared, understand, you know, the process, you know, go to the NCAA website and, and look for a college bound student athlete guide that will give you terminology that'll give you timeframes that will give you kind of what you can and can't do during certain times. Um, start researching the type of schools you want to be at. You know, if you think that you want to be at a, you know, a Penn state with thousands and thousands of students, um, great. Look at schools like that. But if you know that, Hey, I'm going to work better being in a classroom of like 20, you might want to look at small, medium schools, what clubs, organizations, sports, do they have to offer you that are kind of right up your alley? Do your research be prepared? Um, you know, look at different questions as far as financial aid go. Look at different questions as far as, um, you know, really with college being so expensive, look at how well they get their students' jobs because that's what you're going to need at the end of this thing. Um, so, you know, so many of us who participate in an Olympic sport or a sport that, may not have that professional league, you know, we got to start preparing for life after college. So looking at that on the forefront and being prepared, um, you know, is, is all the key because you're really going to be able to hone in on where you want to be from the athletic standpoint, really ask someone for a fair assessment of who you are. Um, you know, moms and dads may think you're a starter when you haven't had the opportunity to get, even get on the field yet from a varsity standpoint. So get up fair assessment. You know, when you're looking at colleges and universities, look at, you know, look at their rosters. When you're going to be a freshman, how many, how many athletes are going to be ahead of you in your position or in your event that, you know, are you really going to get an opportunity to showcase what you can do? Um, and then at the end of the day, the things you can control yourself, do well in school, challenge yourself, but stay in your lane. Like don't, Take seven APs if you've never even taken an honors class. You know, challenge challenge yourself the right way. Be a good person. Be respectful. Be nice, and work as hard as you possibly can. You know, right. some people know that, and some people don't. And you know, I think I, I said it to a friend of mine the other day that I think a very huge positive that I had at like thirteen, fourteen years old was I knew who I was. And I didn't really give a, you know, what, what people thought about me. I was just going to operate yeah. in the way I needed to do. Um, and I think, you know, I, and I think our group of guys for the majority were like that at, at Robert Morrison. I think, you know, for any of your, any of your kids who are listening now that you coach, like, believe me, students, that coach CJ was just as driven and competitive and motivated as he is now that he was in college. Um, but under the hard shell that he has, like he wants nothing more than to be the best teammate, best coach, best person there for you. Um, and he's going to do anything he can to put you in that position of success because 
we've all shared it and, and it's the best part of what we do. And it far exceeds what we've experienced as our own athletic. I couldn't agree more. And I appreciate the kind words. Um, speaking of shout outs, of um, I wanted to make sure I give you a minute. I know you've shouted out some, some names throughout this episode, but uh, any other shout outs that you want to get across that's kind of puts you in the position that you're in or just personal shout outs. Oh man. Um, Goodness gracious. Well, Co- Coach Smith, Coach Sergianis, Coach Boy, uh, you know, that was the core coaching yep, staff yep. of Bobby Moe when I was there, man. And, you know, they've – those relationships and, and them being honest with me and, you know, I, I think the athletic department and guys like Marty Golosi. Marty Golosi is a guy who, like, I kind of wanted to aspire to be like. Uh, you know, the best story I give is – the year, you know, the last home meet we had as a men's team, which was an NEC championship, was what, yeah. like 07, 08, something like that? So that was 08. I was there, seeing Marty. Hey, how are you? So I wasn't that far removed. Um, but when I started my doctorate in, in 17, I'm in there in June for like an orientation slash kind of starting out. And I go down into the student center to get something to eat, which was in the, the, when I was there was the marketplace. Um, and there's Marty and I knew who he was and he looks at me and he looks at him. He says, Hey Joe, how are you? What are you doing here? And I was floored. I was like, Oh, that's great. And we kept continuing to talk a little bit. We kind of had lunch and the fact that like, I graduated in 06, you know, and this is 2017 and he's remembering that I'm from New Jersey that my brother played basketball at Wagner, that all of these different things. And you're just like, whoa, um, you know, this is one guy that, you know, you've had the impact. So like it's people like that, you know, coach Smith still texts me things that, um, you know, that are, are monumental and being there, um, you know, as a, as a, as a dad, as a, as a professional. Um, but then, yeah, anyone, throughout like i mean i'm heavily reliant on my teammates and my friends to make sure that you stay grounded and just kind of stay who you are so you know the zoom thing's been awesome mark caskey till 4 a.m you're you're a handful bro um but you know things like you know looking forward to a to a golf trip if it can happen is going to be just epic so i'm pretty stoked about Uh, that and of course we me and you would not be here without our support from our wives as well Ah, yeah, I had to, I could write a book on that. You know, she, Melissa is, she's a saint. I think just from supporting what we do on a professional standpoint, you know, supporting and, and taking on some of the burden during times where you're trying to do schoolwork at night, you know, especially when you have two little ones running around. Um, yeah, just, she's the absolute best. And I know you feel the same way about oh, your, 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 your better three quarters. As well. And uh, <laughs> I mean, when you were associate athletic director, you were, you were working some hours, right? No, oh, man, it's, I'm, it, so it's funny. The transition out to admissions was one. Yeah, it was tough. Cause you know, I was at that time we had just RAD just retired. Um, and to start thinking about not going down the athletic path, I attended, I attended a conference and at the end of it, there was like this professional, like athletic director track type conference, like session. I'm talking who's who of college ADs. Like you're talking 
Ross Bjork, who's at Texas A&M. You're talking North Carolina, uh, UCF, Duke, like right. the big, big time. Um, and as they're talking about their journey to get to where they're at, a lot of them are like, yeah. So when I took the job, like, you know, I flew down and I started, I have no idea how my wife did, you know, sold the house or packed it up or got the kids ready or anything like that. Or they're talking about how they, you know, on their calendar, they carve time out to make sure that they can go be with their kids. So in my head, I'm like, that's not really what I, what I want. Um, and I'm like, okay, maybe that's just the big time. I get it. Um, so when we welcomed a new AD, shout out to Paul Schlickman. Um, he was phenomenal. He was just a dynamic guy. He respected the hustle of myself and a guy named Zach Dayton in our department who were the younger administrators just trying to handle it, do the daily. So, but he had two little ones and to see his first year where it was like almost every night and weekend had to be at like everything just to kind of establish. Um, it was at the time where we were expecting our daughter and I was just kind of like, you know what? Like I want, and you know, our son's four now. I'm like, I want to be at T-ball. I want to be there. And, you know, my wife works full time. So it's like, it, you're not being a good teammate if you're going down that path because you got to be sharing in those responsibilities. So when, you know, my, my current boss, Allison offered me the opportunity, we both kind of laughed, but then legit, she just kind of took the initiative one day and like threw a piece of paper down on the table and was like, this is what you would do. There's no such thing as an admissions emergency. So like you'll work a couple nights in the semester. You'll work a couple weekends in the semester. You'll have flexibility. You can do like, and for that, when you realize that kind of work-life balance and you know, the, the quality of your life over the, the, the kind of the quantity and the perks. Um, I jumped on it and I, I haven't looked back. That's pretty special. Joe, I want to thank you for once again, for joining me on this podcast. You were the right person to ask for this subject and I truly appreciate it. Oh, CJ, you're the best man. <laughs> Thanks man. I appreciate that. I truly do. Hey, listen, so my next episode, I will have yet another guest on with me. Another person from Robert Morris University and a longtime athletic trainer, Mike Vitorino. We will discuss many different medical topics when it comes to a student athlete. This episode will be titled Life in the Eyes of a Professional Athletic Trainer. As I sign off with these podcasts, you know I love my quotes. And today's quote is, the key to success is to focus on goals, not obstacles. Thanks for listening to Off the Track with CJ Ecolano. Until next time, let's go.